Hi, everyone, and welcome to the February 3rd, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Craig Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. Few people are as knowledgeable about Canada's zero emissions vehicle segment than my guest today. She's an expert in the government policies designed to drive adoption. She also knows what else is needed to be done to increase the number of ZEVs on the road. Today, we'll hear about that, inventory, pricing, infrastructure, and more when I'm joined by the CEO of Plug and Drive, Kara Clareman, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. All right, Kara, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Thanks for having me, Greg. Always a pleasure. One of my favorite guests. Let's start with this because you and I haven't talked in so long or even since the official announcement around Christmas time about the ZEV mandates that are coming. What are your thoughts on that federal ZEV sales mandate? Well, look, I I think it's a good thing. Um, Of course, the devil will be in the detail in terms of how they implement it. But look, we have a, a big country. Every province has sort of their own set of rules, some with incentives, some not, some with mandates, some with not. And it creates a crazy unlevel playing field across the country where, you know, automakers, to be fair to them, like they got to put the cars in the mandate provinces. They so, so people in the other provinces have a really hard time getting cars. And so to me, if we could make something consistent across the country, that would be wonderful. Does that mean, though, that you either need all of the provinces on board to do their own incentives as well or does it mean you do away with provincial incentives because we've seen automakers sort of supply British Columbia and Quebec with a few more vehicles than say the prairies or Ontario where incentives either are non-existent or not very high so does the say do do the provinces also need to change their approach well I mean that would be great if we could get provinces to you know, do something consistent, probably we won't get there. Uh, But even, even like, if you look again at British Columbia and Quebec, yes, they have better incentives, but they also both have a mandate. So it's hard to sort of discern why, why exactly they're getting more cars partially due to the mandate and partially due to better incentives. So higher demand. Um, So, I mean, I think, look, the ZEV mandate's a step in the right direction. I mean, if we really have a goal of hitting 100% new car sales by 2035, you know, we have to have milestones along the way. You're not going to get there, you know, all at once. So having some sort of mandate that increases over time, I'm sure the mandate will be quite low in the early years. I mean, look, there's only so many cars available, like manufacturers are gearing up and all that. So, I mean, I think, you know, I think it'll be reasonable in terms of what the automakers can do. Uh, And then it will grow to help make sure we can hit those numbers in the end. So, you know, it's a it's a good step in the right direction. Is it going to solve all the problems? No, no, definitely not. One of the things that I've discussed with those on the production side and on the lobbying side for automakers is that this seems to be an effort to legislate choice and taste and i say that because it's no secret that pickups are the top selling vehicles in the country and yet there are no really electrified pickups yet other than the ford f-150 lightning and And even that is pretty hard to get yeah there's only been 50 or so delivered in canada at an average price of one hundred and five thousand dollars so 
how do we get to the point where, yes, the sales mandate exists, but we're also offering consumers what they actually want? Sure. Sure. Look, I mean, and we're seeing that happening over time right now. So we've got more and more uh, SUVs and pickups being offered into the market every month. And we're going to see lots and lots in the next couple of years. So, yeah, we're not there yet. I agree. And I do think that's going to help more consumers get into EVs. And also, I think with more quantities of scale uh, in the manufacturing, we're going to see better prices. And we're seeing that actually right now with the so-called price wars going on. Um, and, you know, Tesla slashing its price. So then Ford slashing the Mach-E price and, you know, others will likely follow suit. And I think we're going to see, um, you know, more affordable EVs in the near future. You must have my script in front of you because that was the the, <laughs> the very next question I was going to ask. Great is segue. That, yes, that we saw Ford and Tesla slash these prices. Do you classify this as a price war? And do you believe others will do the same in the near future? Well, it's. It, I wish I knew. But um, what I what I can say is I think those in the same snack bracket, you know, like that that see themselves as competitors to those vehicles may may reduce their prices. I'm not sure it's going to, in the short run, I impact, for example, you know, the, the lower priced EVs like the Leafs and the Bolts. Um, I, th I think those will likely stay where they are. Uh, what we need for that is the big economies of scale, which we're going to start to see because, you know, we're seeing the hundreds of thousands going to be manufactured in different plants in Ontario as well as, you know, in the States, as opposed to the thousands we've had at, up to this point. So, um, you know, that's got to make a difference and mining uh, in North America makes a difference. And, you know, all these things are going to add up to, to lower prices over time. What is the magic price automakers need to achieve for mass adoption? Marisa West just spoke about it uh, a couple days before you and I chatted about you know, we're getting more affordable EVs and she kind of touted the Equinox and we've heard that it's going to be around $35,000, not an official yeah. price yet, but what is that number? And and I guess the other question is what is the vehicle? So I, I assume both two things have to work in tandem here that it's got to be something people want, but it also has to be priced somewhat reasonably. Yeah. So what are those magic yeah. numbers? Uh, again, you know, I think the average, you know, around 40 you know, in that in that ballpark is sort of a number people people find acceptable. But the challenge is with an EV is is we still have this challenge of explaining that it's got a much, much lower operating cost. And so if we could help people understand that you're going to pay a little bit more up front, but you're going to save over time, um, you know, maybe the number that the upfront sticker price number can be a little bit higher it's just it's just the shock it gives people right now. Um, so so, you know, hopefully that educational process as people realize like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to save so much money, you know, year over year running this car that I could spend a little bit more up front. What I always classify it as a, a budgetary line item in my family budget. It costs me X amount of dollars to pay for the car, pay for its insurance, pay for its maintenance and pay for its gas. So that is a line item sort of on a monthly basis in my family budget. What is the best tool for consumers and even for dealers to tell consumers, here's how you compare the price. Here's how you compare sure. the maintenance and the cost of fuel versus charging up. What is the best uh, way to do that? Yeah, because I, so I struggle to find it. I'm so glad you asked that. 
I'm so glad you asked that because we have developed a tool. It's on our website um, called Find Your EV Match. And basically, you can enter in your current gas car and anywhere in Canada. You put your postal code in so it will adjust to your local electricity prices, local gas prices. And then you put in, you know, your typical commute or, you know, how much you drive uh, on average. And then you can compare that to any EV you're interested in. And it will produce a graph for you of your monthly savings. And it will show you over months and years what you're going to save. And it'll show you that, you know, that uh, Nirvana crossover point where you're in the money. Um so, so it helps. I think, I think the challenge is, you know, convincing people pay now to save later. That's, that's a challenge. And uh, so we need to do more work there, but that tool is really handy. And, and you've told me this before, but just to reiterate, I, I, I mean, people aren't driving 400 kilometers a day, are they? They no, can charge at no. home. I mean, there's a new report out um, just this week that says, yeah, most charge at home and that is sufficient enough. Yes. How difficult is that to convince the consumer of? If you're a dealer saying, hey, you know, you really do charge at home mainly, how tough is that point to drive home? Well, actually, it's getting easier and more and more people are understanding that. Where the challenge really lies is if you have a single family home or townhouse and you've got a spot to park and to plug in, it's pretty easy. Um, Where it gets really tough is multi-unit. And, you know, whether it's an apartment or a condo, sometimes it's really tough to get your own plug. And that's what people want. People want to charge at home. And that's why you see the early adopters, you know, they all charge at home and they say, oh, it's so easy. So we really have work to do in terms of making it easier for people who live in multi-unit to get a plug in their parking spot. So where are we at as a country when it comes to charging infrastructure for those folks who don't own their own place? And right. are in a condo or are in an apartment or need to charge on the street. Where are we at and how sure. far do we have to go? Well, it varies across the country. You you see some real leadership, though, like in uh, in British Columbia and Vancouver in particular and Richmond and different municipalities around uh, Vancouver. You see a, they've done a really good job of getting the plugs into condos and apartments. Uh, I would say they're doing the best on that front. And then Montreal has done an amazing job of getting the street, you know, getting getting plugs onto the streets. And so these are some examples we can look to, uh, you know, that it's doable. These things, these problems are solvable and different cities will solve them in different ways. But we do need to make it possible to, uh, you know, for people to have an alternative if they're not going to be able to get a plug at home. I always ask everyone I speak to about EVs this question. Whose responsibility is it for the charging infrastructure? Is it the automaker who's trying to sell us an electric vehicle? Is it the federal government who's trying to mandate us to buy an electric vehicle? Or is it on the private sector who would like to make a buck at selling me the electricity or the station to make yeah, uh, to make money utility. on this? Who, 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 yeah. who is responsible for rolling this out? You know, it, it's a great question, and what I will say is maybe I'm dodging it. Is it's everyone, it, you know, all hands on deck because uh, if we all agree we're in a climate emergency and this is something we need to do, you know, everybody should be playing a, a role. There's a role for government. There's a role for the private sector. There's a role for utilities and for private sector companies. Everybody. And uh, right now, actually, I think pretty much every single one is getting involved. And so we actually are seeing a lot of progress on infrastructure. Can we do better? Sure. Yeah, there's a lot to do. But actually, being someone who's driven an EV for 12 years, 
I mean, I just can't believe how much better the infrastructure is than it was even just a few years ago. Um, there's a new report out this week with somewhat dated statistics that suggest uh, EV, ZEV inventory is a problem in this country. The data comes from, it early, is. It comes from early 2022, um, but I don't think it's any secret that inventory is a problem, generally speaking. Are you able to update us right now on where it stands when it comes to ZEV inventory on the ground right now? Well, it really varies by brand. So um, it's hard to make a blanket statement. Our inventories are very low in general. Um, some brands you can get and some you're going to be on a pretty long waiting list. And so it really, it's really a mixed bag. And uh, so if you're interested in a particular brand, you know, we tell them just get on a list. Now, the good, the good news is that typically those lists move faster than what the dealer tells you they have to tell you you know it's going to be you know based their waiting list this is how long it's going to be six months 12 months whatever that is but the reality is most people put themselves on multiple lists and so those dates are usually wrong and so usually people are getting them faster than you are being told but even so it's still going to be a wait so you're suggesting that um, folks are looking for an EV in a particular size or segment of vehicle. And so they're putting their name on a wait list across multiple brands. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Sometimes three, four and five different, you know, they're flexible. They're like, I like the Ionic. I like the EV six. I like, I like the Polestar and that, you know, they, they put their name on, on all of those. Okay. And I mean, from a dealer's standpoint, it's tough to win over customers if you're not first in that race. If you can't get yeah. to the finish line first, you've lost a customer. Yeah, well, that is what that is what happens. The CVMA, the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association, tells me there will be 120 vehicles electrified in some way available for purchase by the end of this year. Um, is that enough choice? Have we finally hit a tipping point when it comes to choice that people can now kind of shop around and, and get what they want or closer to what they want? I mean, we're getting really close. I, I really think in a year or two, it's sort of, wow, there's going to be every May, every brand, every type, and it'll be easier to get them. So um, we'll be pretty much there. And I do find the issue of there isn't a maker model that I like, I'm waiting for the pickup truck, that that issue is going away as an issue. I would say it's not gone yet. You, you mentioned pickups. How important is it to electrify that segment and electrify the vehicles that people really want? I, I, I get a sense that people would oh. drive an electric pickup if there was yep. one that was comparable to the pickup they're driving now, how important yes. is that segment in the green I, scheme? I think it's it's super important. I mean, Canadians love their pickup trucks. And, you know, we're not here to try to convince people to not want what they want. Right. You know, we, we so it would be fantastic to have more choice in that segment. I mean, people do love that um, Lightning F-150, but right now hard to come by, and hopefully they'll be higher numbers soon. And then we'll see the Silverado, and we'll see a whole bunch from GM. We're going to see the Rivian. We're going to see a whole bunch. And that will definitely make things better here. Last question before I let you go. As you stand here and, and chat with me today, what is the biggest hurdle in EV adoption right now? It's actually vehicle supply. That is the, the number one issue. The demand, yeah, the demand is there. It's it's just the vehicles are not here. And so we have to do everything we can to change that. Have we reached the tipping point yet? Google said uh, last year, and I just saw Enterprise, uh, 
cite that same study that, you know, we now have enough purchases and vehicle registrations above 5% annually across the country or so that that now pushes us to the tipping point where it's become mainstream. Is that the magic number? Have we hit it? Uh I, I think we have. I mean, we probably haven't hit it everywhere across the country because there's, as I said, there's some, you know, there's almost 20 percent new car sales in British Columbia. And, you know, um, so so it's definitely varied in some parts of the country. We definitely already hit it. Uh, and in some parts we're getting there. But I think on average, sort of end of 2023, that's that we're there. Kara, thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Greg. Nice to talk to you. Absolutely. Anytime. I want to thank Kara for being my guest today. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.